Well, good morning. This is a beautiful day in South Florida. I want to welcome you back. Good to have you back in church, and we're going to give you a big hand as we welcome you back. And those of you watching us live, uh, still, we're here. This is our first day back, and we're glad to be back, and uh, looking forward to many more joining us this morning as well. And for you that are watching us from around the world, wherever you're watching us in the World Wide Web, we want to welcome you this morning. It's a beautiful day in South Florida. And uh, we thank God for this day. This is the day the Lord hath made, and we will rejoice and be glad in it. Amen. Praise God. We're not all bandits, even though we look like that, but... <laughs> oh, bandits for Jesus. Isn't that wonderful? <laughs> Praise God. So we want to welcome you this morning. Glad you're in the house of the Lord. And uh, let's look to him in prayer. And uh, just ask God to do something special for everyone 
those that are here and those watching us this morning. Our loving Father and our God, we thank you for this privilege to be in your house. We thank you that this is a new beginning for us somewhat, God. It's like a new normal, but we're trusting that this normal will not be extended for a long time. But that you would intervene supernaturally. Lord, that we can be ourselves in the way freely unmasked for your glory. But today as we come into the house of the Lord and as we return, reopen, you've always been here. And you've always been waiting for us. And so this morning as we come, God, we come anticipating. We come expectant. We come believing. We come grateful. We come thankful that we are able to come. Because so many who would have loved to come are not able to come. So Father, we thank you for this. And we give you praise this morning. And all the glory and all the honor belongs to you. So this morning, be glorified in this place. Be exalted in this place. Be lifted high. Oh, great and awesome God. We acknowledge you. We adore you. Hallelujah. We bless your holy name. We praise you because of who you are. Thank you, God. It is because of your mercy. Your grace and mercy has brought us through. And we're living this moment because of you. So we give you thanks. We give you thanks. Hallelujah. Thank you for watching over us, for keeping us, for protecting us, for providing for us. Thank you for all your benefits, daily benefits. We give you thanks. We give you praise. We give you glory. We give you honor. Now, Lord, have your way in this place. Holy Spirit, have your way. Touch hearts, change lives, not only here, but those watching us. And in the end, may it be said, it was good for us to be here. We ask it in Jesus' name, and all God's people say, Amen. Let's put our hands together and welcome the worship team as they come this morning. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. We thank the Lord this morning for the opportunity to be in his house this morning. Can I get a witness in here? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The song says every praise belongs to our God and we want to lift up our praise this morning. Hallelujah. We haven't had a chance to do that corporately in a while, but we give God praise for this opportunity. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, yeah. Father, we praise you. Oh, Father, we give you glory. Thank you, Lord. Yeah. Every praise is to our God. Every word of worship with one accord. Every praise, yeah. Every praise is to our God. Oh. Our God, yeah. Every praise, yeah. 
With the one on call, ever be praised, ever be praised, it's to our God. Sing hallelujah, sing hallelujah to our God. With one accord, every praise, 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 it's to our God. God, we lift you up this morning. God, we bless your name this morning. God, we make your name great this morning. God, we extol you this morning. Hallelujah. Let everything that had breath praise the Lord. We praise you this morning. We have breath this morning. So we praise you this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We bring a sacrifice of praise. Hallelujah. With the fruit of our lips, God, we praise you this morning. It is indeed your breath in our lungs. 
It is your breath in our lungs. It is your breath in our lungs that gives us the ability to pour out our praise, to pour out our praise, to pour out our praise. So we pour out our praise this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You give life. You are love. You bring life to the darkness. You give hope. You restore every heart that is broken. Great are you, Lord. We sing great are you, Lord. Great are you, Lord. You give life. Everybody say. You give life. You are love. You bring light to the darkness. You give hope. You restore. Every heart. So we pour it out, cause you alone are worthy. You alone are worthy. It's your bread in our lungs, yeah. So we pour out our praise to you only. Great are you, Lord, yeah. Great are you, Lord. I want somebody tell him this one. Sing, great are you, Lord, yeah. Great are you, Lord. And all the earth will shout your praise. All the earth will shout your praise. Our hearts will rise. These bones will say, Great are you, Lord. Come on, church, we can lift it up. Say, All the earth will shout your praise. Our hearts will rise. These bones will say, So we pour out our praise. 
Hallelujah. Praise God. Good morning. Let us pray. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we give you praise and we give you glory and we give you honor this morning. We enter into your gates with thanksgiving. We come before you with praise. We say you're worthy, O oh God, and there's none like you. As we come this morning, Lord, we confess that we have sinned against you. We ask you to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us today as a church. Thank you for this time back together. Thank you for your mercy and your grace. Thank you for watching, protecting us and being there for us and providing for us. We say thank you, God. And as we come this morning, God, to the throne of grace, we come with boldness, we come with confidence, God, to our Father who art in heaven. There's nothing too hard or difficult for you. We come this morning, Father, in the name of Jesus. We come believing this morning that what we are going to ask you for, that you're going to answer. Hallelujah, because that's what your word said, ask and we shall receive. This morning, God, we come lifting up our nation to you. So many needs, oh God, and we need your help. And our help comes from you, God, and you alone. We lift up our leaders to you this morning, God. Government leaders at every level we bring to you this morning. They have major decisions that they have to make, difficult decisions that they have to make. But the wonderful thing, Father, is that you know everything and you know what's best. So we ask you this morning to give them wisdom, hallelujah, in the name of Jesus, to make the right decisions so we can live peaceable lives. Bless them, Father. Bless their families. We pray for the leaders who are not saved, for their salvation today, because that's your will. And for the ones who are saved today, God, we pray for strength to live out their faith so that you may be glorified. Hallelujah in Jesus' name. We bring to you this morning, God, the COVID situation. We thank you, God, for the states where they have been decreasing. Hallelujah. We thank you this morning for those leaders, God, who are following the guidelines, Father, the CDC guidelines. Hallelujah, in the name of Jesus, and are using the data to drive their decision. And we pray, Father, that they'll continue to see decrease in Jesus' name. We lift up the states like ours, Florida, God, where there's a surge in cases and death. Hallelujah. This morning, Lord, we need your help. We pray for businesses as we open up, that, Lord, they will open safely. We pray for us as your people, God, that we'll be obedient and follow the guidelines that are in place, Father, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Give our leaders wisdom, Father, to know what to do in these states. Have mercy on us, God. You see the death rate, a hundred and something thousand. You are God and you're able, God, to give direction. So we look to you as we ask even now. Remember our frontline and essential workers this morning. We ask that you'll continue to watch over them, that you'll continue to bless them. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. Father, you hear the cry in our nation, O oh God, for justice. You understand that very well because the Bible said you're a God of justice and righteousness. Hallelujah. We thank you, God, for the states and the areas where some changes are taking place. A ray of hope. Changes are taking place. We thank you for that. And we pray that as we continue to cry out, more changes will take place, God. You're the only one who can give permanent, lasting, true change. And so that's why we come to you. And we ask that our leaders would listen and hear, oh God, and heed. Move on their hearts that they'll pass laws that are just, Father, in the name of Jesus. We lift up our family to you this morning. 
our local body, God, the families in our local body. And we pray for families all over the world. Some people have nobody praying for them, some family. So we stand in the gap this morning. And we pray for those who are sick this morning, God. You are the healer this morning. Show up in the hospital, in the home, in the nursing home, in the rehab. And touch this morning, Father, with your healing hand. We pray for those who are grieving the loss of loved ones this morning, God. You are the great comforter. We ask this morning that you'll come alongside them and comfort and give peace. And for those who have to deal with situations with traveling to funeral, the Bible said your favor is upon your children. And so we ask that you'll open doors that are locked that only you can open so that your name, Father, may be glorified. We pray for those who have lost jobs and are in need and unemployed. You are the provider, the Jehovah Your children will not lack. We ask that you'll open doors of employment, Father, for your children. May their hearts not be troubled, God, because you are on the throne and you're in control and you always take care of your children. And so, Lord, we pray for your divine favor in that area. We pray for family relationships, Father, in Jesus' name. You see the conflict and the chaos in some of the homes. But this morning, God, you can give peace. The Bible said you're a God of peace. So we pray this morning that you'll enter situations, Father, and give peace, give patience and kindness and love and forgiving heart, that we'll give up our rights, Father, so that you may be glorified and peace would be in our homes in the name of Jesus. This morning, Lord, we lift up your servant, the messenger that you have sent today and the word that you have given him. We are not just praying for our messenger, but all the messengers in the body of Christ this morning. We lift up to you, Father, in Jesus' name. You have given them a word, God, and it's specific for your people. And for the hearts that we have been praying for that are soft today and fertile today, we pray that the word will get in, deep in God. And in the body of Christ, many will enter the kingdom of God. And for the ones, Lord, who are not saved and their hearts are still hardened, we pray, Holy Spirit, that you'll do the work of softening today. Hallelujah. We pray that believers today, Lord, will be encouraged and strengthened and challenged to go forth this week. Hallelujah. With the gospel, Father, in the name of Jesus. We pray for backsliders this morning, Father, in Jesus' name, that they'll come to their senses like the Bible says, Father. Hallelujah. Come out of the destructive lifestyle and relationship and return to you, Father. We commit everything to you today. We know it's not might. We know it's not power. It's only the anointing that can make the change. And so we thank you that we don't have to depend on ourselves. Hallelujah. We depend on the Holy Spirit. Let everything today bring you glory. May you be pleased in living word and in the body of Christ. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. We welcome you this morning. and glad that you're here. Good to have you. You can uh, give it. Give yourself and the next person a big hand. Why don't you do that this morning? Come on. Welcome back. Maybe you want to look around and give somebody a wave offering. Maybe there's a wave. That's a hi. How are you? Sort of thing. Good to see you guys. Hi. Um, I know that uh, there are others that have registered and they'll be coming, I guess. Um, but you'll notice that's a good thing. You're going to notice that's a good thing to come early. Because <laughs> if you don't come early, you're going to miss the, certain, the worship. Because we don't have long worships anymore. Uh, right now, we got to keep them short. And, uh, and then we go right into uh, not very long after that. We don't have a lot of preliminaries that we normally have. So, uh, But I want to welcome you back. I want you to know that we're glad that we're able to come back. 
and to give God. We've always been here. <laughs> Praise God. You've always seen us from here. We're always coming from you here live. And uh, it's, a, it's a strange thing to preach to an empty church. Uh, you know, it's a very strange thing. I've never had that experience before. And uh, you got to be preaching like you really are seeing somebody. There's nobody saying amen. <laughs> really. Um, and so it's a, it was a challenge. It really was a challenge um, to try to give the message. Um, not the way I normally, you know, I'm a person that usually walk down and, and walk down. and do, There was none of that because there was, <laughs> there's nobody to walk down to. <laughs> and now we still can't walk down, you know. So we got to keep our distance. And uh, so we're glad you're here. And uh, so welcome. Glad you're here this morning. I trust that you have been, I know that God has been good to you. And he's kept you, watched over you. He's been faithful. Amen. God has been faithful. We want to give him praise and give him glory. and Give him honor for his faithfulness. He has been. And uh, we thank God for that. And we thank God for uh, the changes that are coming. Um, even as we have seen so many things. We've been in the pandemic. And then we've also in the midst of uh, a crisis in terms of protest and all kinds of things happening at the same time, and then tremendous unemployment, uh, all of this taking place at one time. And uh, we just want to uh, continue to pray for the situation in our country, uh, that God would intervene to bring healing and to bring changes. You know, um, as we looked at what the protest was all about, um, I was looking back at the um, Declaration of Independence. And um, I just want to remind you what it says. It says, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. All men are created equal. And that they're endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. And among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And it goes on to, I'm not going to read all of it. It says, uh, it talks about that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. We are the governed, and the government is in place because of us, it says. That whatever, when, we're, we're, listen to this, and whenever any form of government becomes destructive of these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or abolish it and to institute new government, laying its foundation on such principles and organizing its powers in such form as to them shall seem most likely to effect their safety and happiness. The Declaration of Independence says we have the right to change our government and those in authority to protect our safety and to protect our happiness. It is all right. This is not a dictatorship. We are in a republic, it says. And then it talks about the Pledge of Allegiance. It says, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America 
and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible. What does it provide us? With liberty and what? Justice. For not for some, but for all. And so, as those protesters were standing up for their rights, which is what that is, they have a right to stand up for their rights. We have a right to stand up for our rights. We have a right to say, to speak up when our rights are being trampled on. And so what we need to do, though, is we realize that you cannot legislate people's hearts, changes in people's hearts. No matter what legislation you have, to me it is like the little boy who the parent kept telling, sit down, and he wouldn't sit down, and she, sit down, and he wouldn't sit down, sit down, and then he says, okay, he sat down, he says, I'm sitting down, but I'm standing up on the inside. You know, that's what happens when you legislate people, put legislation, and the hearts are not changed. And guess who is the only one person can change your hearts? Only God. That's why as a nation, we need God. We need God because only he can change hearts. No matter what laws you put on the books, people's hearts are going to be what they make it unless God changes the heart. So that's why we need to be praying. We'll be praying that God will indeed change hearts. Because that's the answer to our situation that we are in right now. We need hearts to be changed. I want to make a couple of announcements as we, uh, right now. Um, first of all, I want to remind you that we're getting, this is summertime, essentially. Um, would normally have camp and all of those things are canceled, no camp. Uh, no VBS, uh, we can't have any of those things. Uh, we're not having any uh, classes between the 8 and 11 o'clock services. The children ministry, the Awana, will have their break beginning on June the 24th. That will, I think will be the last time. And then they'll break after that. And the youth also will break after the June 25th meeting as well. So we want to... Uh, Remember that, and they're going to be breaking for the summer. The academic club, for those uh, we've been collecting the reports, I want to remind you that uh, your fourth quarter report is due by July 10th. And how do you get that to us? You email that to us. You email that to the L word, O-B-P-P, at AOL.com. That has always been on the program. We're not handing out any programs anymore. We've always suggested, it's amazing, the things that we used to tell you to do, if you didn't do them, they're now biting you. When I used to encourage you to make sure you keep the, get the app, and then people didn't take the app, when we're, and I said to you, one day that's maybe the only way we're going to communicate with you, well, that actually happened, isn't it? I didn't know about the virus, I just felt that one day we could, that's the only thing. And then people were scrambling. We tell you, don't throw away all your programs, keep them. So now you're going to have to, you want to, what, you want to know the website, the email to, to send or thing to? It's on the program. So you find an old program, amen, and send it to that email that's on the program. 
I think what we're learning is that when we're giving you some guidance, I think you by now you should be picking up that you should be following. You should be listening. We are, we're trying to walk in the spirit and when we're telling you things. And, and, and I'm seeing so many things I've been saying to you that has been coming to pass. When I told you back in August 25th that we're going to have a recession in 2021, uh, and I told you to prepare, here we are heading into one. We didn't know a virus was coming, but I told you that. And here we are going into one for sure. Uh, it's a certain thing. I mean, if you... I've been talking to people, and I just want you to be aware of what is happening. And some people may not be aware, um, but as I talk to individuals, um, what is happening is that companies are, you know, I talked to somebody, and the company told them that, you know, they won't be able to bring them back until November. And uh, what, do you do until, what do you do from now till November? You know, that's sort of difficult. And, and you, you, how do you pay your bills? And finding a job is not easy. There are challenges out there. That's why we need God on our side. Because he is the one that is able to help us. He's the one that is able to make a way when there seems to be what? No way. God is the one. And so more than ever before, we need him on our side. All right, so... Uh, Keep those announcements. We are going to be um, continuing with our online services in the sense that our Bible study will be online at the same time, 7.15 on Tuesdays. Um, and so even after the Awana stops and the Awana youth stops and Awana children stop, Bible study will continue online. And I think in the summer, I'm going to probably come up with another program that's going to be online. I think I want to... I'm finding that in the stress and all that is happening, there are some relationship challenges. Uh, lots of people are having relationship issues. Marriages are having challenges. People being at home, locked in, and there's been some stuff going on. And so um, our couples class that we never used to have, we're going to move something online, a relationship thing that's going to be Facebook Live. And so that's going to be coming during the summer months. Uh, to help out in those situations. But I want you to continue to pray and to believe God um, for uh, the changes to come. Is anybody having a birthday today? Anybody having a birthday today? Let us hear. I know Sister Marion is having a birthday. Wish her a happy birthday. Sister Marion, I know she's watching. And Brooke, <laughs> uh, happy birthday to you. And may God bless you. Nobody here having a birthday. Anybody having a birthday this week? All right. Happy birthday, Sister Fraser. Well, well, God bless you. Happy birthday. Anybody celebrating an anniversary this week? All right. All right. Maybe somebody on, uh, maybe saying, well, somebody, somebody's at home saying, yes, me, me, me. Well, happy anniversary if, if you're doing that. <laughs> Sister Grace had hers. Sister Grace Willink on Tuesday. Well, happy, happy belated anniversary. Praise God. Amen. All right. We want to recognize and take a moment to uh, appreciate all of you and, and just to thank God for each of you and that is here this morning. Well, we're going to get, we're going to look to the, if you have your Bibles with you, let's, 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 let's go there. And um, uh, I just want to 
have you ready with it. I'm not going to um, read it immediately, but I want you to turn to 2 Samuel chapter 1 and keep it open to 2 Samuel chapter 1, and uh, we will be doing that. Well, we do, I think, have a, this is a first time, we may have a first time visitor with us. I know that, I don't know if it's first time, but I know that uh, Brother Roy's Harding's son, one of his son is here. And if he's the first time, if you're first time, wave, wave your hand at me. Let's give him a big welcome. Welcome. Good to have you with us. Amen. Well, man, you have the great distinct honor of being the only first timer of this. Oh, there's another first timer over there? Welcome. Nice. Good to have you with us. All right. Another first timer. Well, we have two first timers with us. That's wonderful. Praise God. Welcome. We welcome you. We're glad you're here. And may the Lord bless you. Normally, we would be in your taking you to our hospitality suite afterwards. All of that is gone. I'm so sorry. You're not getting the royal treatment this time. You'll come back again. We owe you both. <laughs> At another time. Amen. Praise God. Well, um, there was a project that was created, uh, and the project was to create a group of sculptured figures taken from the Old Testament that would decorate the buttress of uh, Florence's great cathedral. It's called the Duomo. And the project began in the year 1464 by a fellow by the name of Agostino di Ducio. And over the next two years, Agostino managed a rough, to rough out a part of a huge block of marble hewn from the famous quarry in Carrara before stopping in 1466. Now, no one knows why he stopped. But another artist came by and picked up the same sculpture where it reached, and he started to work on it, and only after a short time, he too stopped. And guess what? At the stage the marble sculpture was, it remained like that for 25 years, dormant. Nobody touched it. And then came Michelangelo. Michelangelo was 26 years of age when he came in 1501 and picked up where they left off with the sculpture. Michelangelo in three years finished it and so this sculpture took a total of 30 years to complete. Over a period of 30 years to complete. And when it was completed, it was so heavy, it weighed six tons. It was so heavy that it could not do what they had planned. They could not use it for how it was planned in the beginning. And so that sculpture actually became one of the most iconic works in all of art history. Of all of art history, this is one of the greatest piece of work that, they, that art that is considered that was ever done. It took 20 years. Somebody started, stopped not knowing why. Not a picked up, didn't finish it. And then it stood on like on a shelf. And then it just, it just stood there for 
25 years, and you would think that it was over. But it wasn't. Then came Michelangelo, and in three years, he completed what we know now as the David. The David is one of the world's most famous art, sculpture. And so, I want to ask you this morning, who are you in the making? Since maybe it's taken a long time, it may be years that are passing, and you're thinking about your life, where I'm going, what's my purpose, what's going to happen to me in a couple of years, what's happening in my life, who am I really in the making? See, when they started out with this sculpture, no one thought, I'm sure Agostino never thought, it would ever become the greatest masterpiece of all art. And yet, for 25 years, nothing happened to it. It would have seemed like years that have passed, like nothing is happening. And sometimes in people's lives, there are times that passes and look like nothing is happening. Look like my life's not going anywhere. But I want to tell you that God is still working on you. He's still working to a destination. He's still working to a desired destiny. And today we're going to look into the life as we continue to look at David. We've been studying him and we're going to continue today. And we'll continue to look at who God is making him. Let us pray. Our Father and our God, we thank you that your words are life unto those that find them. And literal medicine unto all flesh. May you speak to us today. Those that are here and those watching us from around the world in various countries. As they watch us this broadcast today. May you speak to every heart. May you challenge each one. And may no one leave the way they came. But we ask it in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, have your way. Take full and complete control of my mind, my faculty, my whole being. And may you speak through me. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say, Amen. The all-powerful God, what we've seen from Scripture, is that he delights in using the weak things of this world to accomplish the impossible. Those who listen, trust, and obey God in the face of impossible odds bring him pleasure. You know, we have the Hall of Fame, God's Hall of Fame in Hebrews chapter 11. These were people of faith who from weakness became strong because at some point in their life, they listened, they trusted and they obeyed God's voice. There was one Barak. In all of his reluctance at first. When God came to him. And asked him to deliver the children of Israel. 
Barak was a reluctance, but courageously faced impossible odds and brought about victory. There was Gideon. In spite of his many excuses and his long list of insignificant in, of his, of his in, of significant inadequacies, he became a courageous warrior and a leader to bring about Israel's deliverance. And then there was Jephthah. Jephthah was kicked out by his brothers because he was the son of a prostitute. And they said, his brother says, you don't belong to us. Because you from another mother and outside. And, and, and there were many other brothers he had. Several, numerous brothers. Big, huge family. But he was kicked out. And when they were in trouble, when the nation was in trouble, it was Jephthah that they sent for. With his shameful heritage and impulsiveness, he also believed God would deliver Israel through his leadership. And then there is Samson, who lived a life of selfish sensuality and fleshly indulgence. And he suffered. But nevertheless, in the end, he came up with and believed God. And through the faith that he had in God, he is listed among those men of faith who subdue kingdoms. And then there is David. David, the scripture reveals that he had special things about him. But I want you to know also that the Bible candidly exposes some disturbing elements that definitely qualify David as a member of the unlikely hero club. You see, David's life, when you really look at it and study it, is a continual mixture of faith and fear, trust and doubt, victory and defeat. He was mostly directed by the power of the Spirit, but at other times he was driven by the flesh. Yet God used him mightily, loved him deeply, and blessed him greatly, and God said he was a man after his own now let's be very clear. No one's life has been or will be perfect. No one has an unblemished record. We all have some blemish. Sin has deeply permeated the entire human race to this very day. The Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Including David. But in spite of his turbulent life and attributes, which made him an unlikely hero, there was an unmistakable anointing of God on David. There's an unmistakable anointing. And David, in fact, actually became the yardstick, the measuring standard by which all other kings were measured. All of the kings were measured based on David's standard. In fact, in 1 Kings chapter 15, let me give you an example. 3 to 5, it says, And he, King Abijan, walked in all the sins of his father Rehoboam, which he had committed before him, and his heart was not wholly devoted to the Lord his God, 
like the heart of his father David. And when the Bible talks about his father David, he's talking about, you know, the, the patriarch. That's what I mean by father there. But for David's sake, the Lord his God gave him a lamp in Jerusalem to raise up his son after him and to establish Jerusalem. Because David did what was right in the sight of the Lord and had not turned aside from anything that he commanded him in all the days of his life except in the case of Uriah the Hittite. That's an interesting thing. If you read that statement, it would seem like the only bad thing that David did was the matter with Uriah the Hittite. But it is what the Bible says. Because you see, David made some other stumbles and we did it one of those last week. Do you remember when we talked about his faulty thinking that ended him up with the enemy? And he went to the Philistine side. And then we talked about when David think that someday Saul was going to get him and Saul was going to kill him and he was, a, he was, he was concerned. And, and even though he was anointed by God to replace Saul, even David came to the point where he didn't realize that if God has anointed you to replace someone, no one can kill you. What God has ordained for you cannot be for someone else. And even David didn't recognize that. And you remember the time when David heard, sent his men to Nabal and he wanted some supplies because they had watched over his sheep when they were out in the wilderness. And Nabal sent back a word and says, who's David? Do you remember in his rashness, David got his sword and got his men and he was heading to kill every single one of them had it not been for Abigail who quieted him. There are several things. And later on in his life we saw missteps. The kings of Judah were either. Described as having a heart like David. Or they didn't have a heart like his. Here's what we're finding out. When it comes to God. The heart of the matter. Is the heart. See, when it comes to God, for him, what's really critical is your heart. You know, we see, how many times we see God overlooks weaknesses, shortcomings, other things, when the person's heart is in the right place. That's why you see there's no one with unblemished record. God's not expecting us I know we are to work towards being perfect in the sense of mature. But we'll never be perfect because only God can be perfect. But nevertheless, what he's looking at, in spite of the mistakes we make, in spite of the blunders we make, what God is always checking, I know you made this blunder, but what's your heart like? Where is your heart he's always checking? It is said in Jeremiah, David shall never lack a man to sit on the throne of the house of Israel. David was even called, remember Jesus was called the son of David. So I want us to go to the scripture this morning and pick up where we left out the last time. So turn with me to 2 Samuel chapter 1. 
I want to read a couple, I want to read some verses from there so you can catch the background to where I'm going this morning. It says, after the death of Saul, David returned from the victory over the Amalekites and spent two days in Ziklag. On the third day, a man arrived from Saul's army camp. He had torn his clothes and put dirt on his head to show that he was in mourning. He fell to the ground before David in deep respect. Where have you come from, David asked. I escaped from the Israelite camp, the man replied. What happened, David demanded. Tell me how the battle went. The man replied, our entire army fled from the battle. Many of the men are dead, and Saul and his son Jonathan are also dead. you got to remember that what we, when we stopped the last time, David had gone back to Ziklag, found that his city was burnt down, but the Israelites had now come and they drawn across battle lines with the Philistines. And so while David had recovered the spoils from the Amalekites who had burned his city, Saul and his sons and his army were getting into battle with the Philistines. And that's where we're picking up. We're picking up after the battle. And it says, how do you know, verse 5, how do you know Saul and Jonathan are dead? David demanded of the young man. The man answered, I happen to be on Mount Gilboa. And there was Saul leaning on his spear with the enemy chariots. And charioteers closing in on him. When he turned and saw me, he cried out for me to come to him. How can I help? I asked him. He responded, who are you? I'm an Amalekite, I told him. Then he begged me, come over here and put me out of my misery. For I'm in terrible pain and, I, and want to die. So I killed him, the Amalekite told David. For I knew he couldn't live. Then I took his crown and his armband and I have brought them here to you, my Lord. David and his men tore their clothes in sorrow when they heard the news. They mourned and wept and fasted all day for Saul and his son Jonathan and for the Lord's army and the nation of Israel because they had died by the sword that day. Then David said to the young man who was brought the news, where are you from? And he replied, I'm a foreigner, an Amalekite, who lives in your land. Why were you not afraid to kill the Lord's anointed one, David asked. Then David said to one of his men, kill him. So the man thrust the sword into the Amalekite and killed him. You have condemned yourself, David said, for you yourself confess that you killed the Lord's anointed one. Then David composed the funeral song for Saul and Jonathan, and he commanded that it be taught to the people of Judah. It is known as the song of the bow. I want to get over to chapter 2 and verse 1. Just I want to read chapter 2, 1 to 4. After this, David asked the Lord, Should I move back to one of the towns of Judah? Yes, the Lord replied, then David asked, which town should I go to? To Hebron. The Lord answered, David, his two wives with Ahinoam from Jezreel and Abigail, the widow of Nabal from Carmel. So David and his wives and his men and their families all moved to Judah. And they settled in the villages near Hebron. 
Then the men of Judah came to David and anointed him king over the people of Judah. Now what we find here is that um, in this, as we picked up the story, imagine that Saul, as you recall, was David's primary enemy. He had chased him to kill him for many years. And here Saul is now dead. And what does the Bible say? Is, is David rejoicing? No. David is lamenting the fact that Saul is dead. He is mourning. He is weeping. He is fasting. Now I gotta tell you, a regular saint would be rejoicing. That my enemy that has been chasing me, praise God, is dead. But David was a man after God's own heart. And he felt keenly, he, he's worrisome and his bother was the, the Lord's anointed is dead. And he's dead in battle. And so David composed a song. And I got to tell you, we don't have time to get into the song. But there were no unkind words about Saul in the song. In fact, what David spoke about Saul in the song was words of how powerful Saul was. He was swifter than an eagle, he says, and stronger than a lion. Imagine the enemy that you that would try to kill you so many times that kept hounding you and God put them in your hand and you spare them and now the enemy is dead. And David is not rejoicing. Are we beginning to see why God begins to say he's a man after his own heart? Because David is behaving unlike what a regular normal person we would expect would behave. They would rejoice over the fact that their enemy is now taken care of. At least now they would think, I'm, I can breathe, I can breathe. <laughs> Instead of, I can't breathe. David now says, I can breathe. With the death of Saul, David's fortune changed. He was no longer a fugitive. And he was quickly acknowledged as king of only one tribe. The tribe of Judah. Now you know, what happened next was that there was still one of Saul's son that was alive. His name was Ishbosheth. And Saul's commander of the army was alive. His name was Abner. And Abner was Saul's cousin. And so he made, he made Saul's son the king of the rest of Israel. In spite of the fact that he knew that God had said David would be king over all of Israel. All 12 tribes. And even though David sought the mind of God as we've seen. He could not escape the plots and plans of others. You know, my friend, even when you're walking in the will of God, 
even when God is ordering your steps, you're going to find that there are others who are going to try to get in your way. And they're going to get in your way. God's not always going to stop. He's not going to just let your path go so smooth. Nobody gets in your way just because you're on in his plan. Nobody disturbs you. Nobody does anything. Nothing. Your boat isn't rocked because you're on God's will. Oh no, that's not what we see in people's lives. And as we look at David's life, you got to imagine that here he is now crowned king of one tribe. Out of all the twelve. And what we begin to see around him. Is that there are things start happening. In his army. There's the murder of Ahishael. A nephew of David. And he was one of David's elite warriors. Then we find that Abner. The commander of Saul. Who had propped up Ishbosheth as king over the other tribes. He was murdered. By David's commander. And then we find that. Not only was Abda murdered. But then there was the murder of Ishbosheth himself. Ishbosheth was also murdered. The one that was king over the tribes of Israel. The other tribes of Israel. And so, so many things were happening in David's life. There were, it was so much. David was distressed about the men around him. These were his elite warriors, and yet they were, they were killing innocent people. When Abner was killed, he was killed by David's commander, who invited, that Abner had come to counsel with David, because Abner thought he was going to bring all ten other tribes to link up with the tribe of Judah for David to be king over everything. He had visited David, had a meeting with David. He was on his way back when Joab, David's commander, learned of it and called him back. Oh, I have a message for you. I want to talk to you. And he says, I want to talk to you privately. And he held him like he was going to hug him. And as, well as, he, as he hugged him like he was embracing him, he pulled his dagger out and thrust it. Complete into his belly. The Bible says the handle went all the way in. And that's how Joab killed Abner. And David wasn't happy. David mourned for Abner as well. I mean, you can imagine. This was the man who set up another person to be king over the rest of the tribes. David knew that God had appointed him to be ruler over all the tribes. Yet David did not make any move. He did not try to, 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 try to, to, to get Ishbosheth out of the way so that he could be the ruler. He waited on God's timing. Eventually, Ishbosheth was killed by another group of people. And David again mourned for Ishbosheth. We find David mourning for all those that would be on the other side, all those that would be opposing him, all those that were not seem to be the ones that he should be mourning for. Yet we find David mourning for them. And so, what we find, my friend, 
is that David's march to the throne was a difficult one. You got to remember, it was God who picked David above all his other seven brothers. Yet the journey to the throne, the journey to the, to the destination that God had designed for him was not easy. Are you on a journey that's not easy right now? Are you on a journey that's difficult right now? Are you on a journey where people are getting in the way and there are people that are doing things that you don't know why they do it and when you're not guilty of anything and you're innocent of certain things and yet there's all this going on around you in your life. Things that are happening to deter your progress it seems to deter what's going on, that your peace is not what it's supposed to be because of all these things that are happening that you have nothing to do with. That was what was happening to David. The man that God had ordained to be king. Now remember, years have passed. And he's still not yet king of the whole nation. This was... And so David went to Hebron. And they anointed him king there. And now we go over, as we continue, we'll, we'll see that what happened was that the Bible tells us that as soon as David became king, the Philistines came at him again. You know, you know Satan waits until the peace after the storm to attack us again. You know, just at the time when you think you get a little break. Have you noticed that sometimes we just think you think you get a little break, something else comes up? It's the enemy. The enemy is relentless. It is not that God is against you. It is that just the enemy is persistent. And he comes after us. And so we find this situation where the enemy, the Philistines have come at David. As he is now crowned king. Because after the death of Ishbosheth, the other tribes came to David and said, We know that God had ordained for you to be king all along. So we present ourselves to you. Can you imagine that? David didn't have to fight for it, he didn't have to, 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 to go against anyone to get the position. He waited until the timing when God's timing would be fulfilled. And so they came to David and presented themselves and says, Here we are, the rest of the tribe. We want you to be our king. And David was again anointed. This was the third time David was anointed king. It was anointed by Samuel. It was anointed when he was over the one tribe. And now he's anointed again when he's over all the tribe. It took him three anointings before he could get to the throne. The place where God had ordained for him. It would seem like a lifetime. It would seem like, why would God not just do it this way? You know, sometimes in our lives, have you ever asked that question? When you look at things, you wonder, why, why does my life go this way? Why wouldn't this happen instead of going another way? Yet what we find is that it doesn't go the way we normally think it should go. 
God has a different plan. He works in a different way. David knew that. So here the Philistine comes at David and what does David do? He seeks God's direction. He goes to God in prayer. He says, Lord, should I go up against the Philistines? And God says, yes. He goes up against them and he wins the battle. But just as soon as he wins the battle the first time, the Philistines didn't take that. They regrouped not too long after that and they came back at him again. Now, you know, what some people would assume is that God is with me. He gave me victory the last time. So let me just go out to battle the next time. You know what David did? No, David stopped again and says, he went back to God again. And he says, God, should I go up against them again? You know what I found out? God says, go up against them again, but don't go up the way you went up the first time. You need to use a different strategy. You see, my friend, I want to give you a principle this morning. While God's plans never change, His methods of execution varies. And we need, to, we need new guidance for each new decision. You don't make the assumption, never make the assumption that because God gave you victory over this the last time and this is the way he worked, that he's going to work that way again. Every new decision requires a new direction. Whatever you're doing, even if you're repeating something, you need God's guidance, you need God's direction. We need to see that you see, we learned that early from Moses. I want to remind you that when Moses was in the wilderness and they ran out of water, that God told Moses, take the rod, the same rod that had parted the Red Sea, the same rod that Moses used in Egypt against with Pharaoh. He says, take the rod and go to the rock and strike the rock and water will come out of it. And Moses went. And he struck the rock. And water came out. Well they moved on. They moved on in the wilderness. And they came to another place. Where they were out of water again. In the wilderness. No water. And Moses. And God says to Moses. There's another rock. I want you to speak to the rock. And I want you to go and read that scripture because here's what I, what I noticed. Moses was about to leave when God says to him, take the rod with you. Now think about that. But what did God told him to do? Speak to the rock. Yet God told him, take the rod with you. So when Moses got to the place when he was supposed to speak to the rock, instead of speaking to the rock, because Moses was accustomed that God the last time said, strike the rock. Even though God now says, I don't want you to strike it this time. All I want you to do this time 
is to speak to the rock. Moses, instead of speaking to the rock, because God gave tell him to carry the rod, he thought, oh, well, if God asked me to carry the rod, then God must want me to use the rod to strike the rock. But God didn't say that. God said to him, speak to the rock. You see how closer we have to, you see how much we need to hear God and be following what he says and not bring in our own subjectiveness or pattern. You can't put God in a box and think that he's going to work this way as he did before. He will work in different ways at different times. And that's why when you have a decisions to be made, you can't just assume because God gave you a victory that time, it's going to be automatic this time. You still have to get direction again. And so what Moses did, this second, Moses struck the rock again and, and spoke, and he was upset with the people when he struck the rock. And that was when God says, you shall not go into the promised land. Because you didn't honor me or glorify me before the people. Why? Because God wanted him to speak to the rock. Because can you imagine the power of just speaking to the rock and says, water come forth. It would have glorified God even more. It's one thing to strike the rock and water come out. But it's even more powerful to speak to the rock and water come out. But David, but Moses missed it. You see, we're seeing Moses miss it. We're seeing David miss it. You think you and I can't miss it? I hope we're getting that this morning. If Moses can miss it, and David can miss it, I got to tell you, we can miss it. Which is why we have to be careful. It was God's will for David to reign over the entire nation. Just as it is his will for Christ to reign over our, our, all our lives. But if we leave any part of our lives out that is not under God's care, it's going to cause us trouble. We ought to invite him to reign over all our lives. It is only then that we will have complete victory. You see, if there's an area for our lives that God is not in control of, that area is going to give us trouble. That area is going to be a problem. David's road to the throne covered many years and many trials. But throughout that journey, he put God first and never sought vengeance or retaliation against Saul. You see, God saw to it that David was protected and promoted according to his time and plan. My friend, I want you to know this morning that your protection and promotion will arrive on time and according to plan. Your protection and your promotion will arrive on time and according to plan. God is going to see to it. Can you give him praise for that this morning? Do you remember Joseph? Joseph had the dream as a young man. 17, 13. He's a young man. 17 years old. 
His brothers try to kill the dream. They throw him in a pit. They sold him in slavery. He was falsely accused of rape. Thrown into the king's jail where you'd never see daylight again outside the jail. Yet God fulfilled the dream. In one day took him out of jail and brought him into the palace. Can I tell you, it was nearly 14 years between his dream and the time he left prison to become second in command in Egypt. For David, from the time he was anointed by Samuel to the time that he came to the throne, it was 15 years running, being a fugitive. You'd say, why? Why? Isn't God anointed me to be king? Why do I have to keep running? Why do I have to be going through this? Why do I have to be experiencing these things? You know what it said of David, it said of Joseph in Psalm 105, he says, until the time came to fulfill his dreams, the Lord tested Joseph's character. God's going to test our character no matter what. He's going to keep testing our character. We're going to go through difficult challenges and times in spite of the fact that God is leading us to a desired destiny. When God puts a dream in your heart, we undergo testing. And can I tell you, my friend, the greater the dream, the greater the what? The greater the test. God uses those tests to prove our character and to make sure that we don't waste the dream. He knows we aren't ready to handle the fulfillment, so he tests us to help us become the person who will steward the dream well. If God has given you a dream, be prepared to be tested and to wait for the fulfillment of it. Just like David, there is a king or queen inside of you waiting to come out. But it will take some perseverance to make it happen. Who are you in the making? The harder the situation you're going through, the greater the place that God has for you. Because you see, we come back to the, the message again. God's not focusing on our ability. That's not what is critical to him. Because ability only comes from him. What he's got to work on is building our character. You see, because ability God can give us just like that. Doesn't take any time for him to give us ability. He can give you the ability in an instant to do what seemed impossible. 
but character cannot be given to you or me just like that. It takes time to build character. And here's the problem. If I fail the test, guess what I have to do with it again? You got to take it over again. And if I fail it again, I got to take it over again. Because I can't fit the position that he has for me until I have the character to match the position that he's destined for me. So if you find that you're going over and you're wondering why is this happening again, I never forget. As I've traveled so many times and when I was traveling, I told you my wife would come to pick me up at the airport. And when I arrive and she's not there, I would really get upset. And I got to tell you, when I hear what happened, she tried her best to be there. But different things came up. And I realized over time that, you know what? God was working on my character. He was working on my patience. And I kept blowing it. I kept blowing it. And because I, I blowed it every time, whenever I, she came, he made her late. Things that would not normally, she didn't plan for, wasn't going to be in the book. She's going to be on time. She's going to be there before the time. And yet, something came up last minute to make, make her late. So that when I came. So eventually I said to myself, you know what? You need to stop doing this. And you need to just, when she's not there, just be calm. Guess what happened next time? She was there on time. <laughs> She's there on time. You see, until we learn the lesson, until we learn what God is trying to teach us, Brittany, we're going to go through the test. And when you find yourself being tested in a particular area, Check yourself and realize God's, work, God's wanted to teach me something here. He's trying to teach me something in this area. And I need to learn the lesson so that I can move on. He's testing me. But you know, through it all, I've learned to trust in Jesus. And I've learned to depend on his word. Stand together with me. Through it all. Through it all. I've learned to trust in Jesus. 
I've learned to trust in God through it all, through it all. I've learned to depend upon His Word through it all. Jesus, I've learned to trust in God through it all, through it all. I've learned to depend upon His Word. I've learned to depend upon friend, if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, if you don't know God in a personal way, you need to because He is the answer. He has a plan for your life. He's taking you to a desired destiny. The road is not necessarily going to be smooth and easy because to prepare you for that role, to prepare you for that position. To prepare us for that responsibility. He's got to work on our character. Sin has so marred us. We are spiteful. We are mean. We try to get even. We are selfish. All those things that sin, that sinful carnal nature... That's in us that has to be worked on. David, a man after God's own heart. Yet God worked in his character. He didn't get to the throne overnight. He didn't get to the throne easy. Anointed by God from a youth. Running as a fugitive. Going through hard times. Having all kinds of situations attacked by the enemy in different ways. Yet he remained true to God. Yet he remained steady with his relationship with God. He didn't give up and says, you know, this thing doesn't work. I can't, God is not helping me because... Why am I going through all of this? Maybe this, he didn't give up. No, no, no. He kept looking to God. And in spite of all the trouble, through all the difficulties, the trials, the valleys, the mountains, the rivers, the storms, he had learned to trust in Jesus. See, because he's going to need that. He's going to need that later on. See, the fact that you went through this fire, the fact that you went through this battle, and you were victorious, don't get, don't get comfortable. You made it through this battle, so you can make it through this battle. And you make it through this battle, 
So you can make it through this battle. You see, each time it gets bigger. You're graduating. You're not graduating to a place of no battle. You're graduating to a place of greater battle. But greater battle means greater responsibility. And greater battle means greater victory. And greater victory means that you see God works at a greater level. And you give him a greater praise. And you have a greater respect for God. Are you see how it works? Because as you begin to move to different levels and God begins to give you the victory, you begin to see the power of God more. You begin to understand the greater that who God really is. You begin to see as he takes you through the different levels. You're praising him more here than you were praising him down here because you're realizing, wow, this is what God can do. You see, while you are believing God for $1,000 or $500, there are those who have graduated and now they believe in God for 10000 and while you're believing God for 10,000, those who have graduated have believed in God for 100,000. And there are those, my friend, who have graduated from the 100,000 and they believe in God for 100 million. You know, when you look around and you see certain ministries and certain things that people are doing and certain ventures that they're going to, it costs hundreds of millions. They didn't start there. They started down here. Then they won that battle. Then they moved to the next. 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 And that's what God's doing right now, my friend. He's doing that with all of us. We're all in the making. But we have to allow Him. And we have to be willing to surrender to God. And to let Him have His way. And not try to do things our way. But to say, God, may your will be done in my life. I surrender to you. I submit to you. So I want you to raise your hand this morning. If you say, Lord, I surrender to you. I submit to you. I surrender to you. I submit to your purpose. I submit to your will. I submit to your purpose. To your plans for me, God. Your plans. Your way, God, not my way. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for us. Father God, with our hands lifted this morning, we're surrendering to you. We want what is your way. Those watching us are lifting their hands as well and saying, Lord, not my way, but your way. Not my will, but thy will. When Jesus saw the cross... And he saw where he was going and he saw the pain he was going to go through. He says, Lord, if it is possible that this cup be taken away from me, but nevertheless not my will, but thy will. But after the cross came the crown. Lord, we submit to you this morning. We surrender to your purposes. And by your grace and by your strength we'll make it. We ask you that each one of us with our hands raised right now, Lord. May you take a note of We want you to be 
ruler over our lives. We want to walk in obedience to your word because we know that you have a good plan and you're taking us to a destination and you're making us you're making us some of us into a David out of us into others characters individuals places of responsibility that you're taking us because you're working on us to make us suitable for that place. We give you thanks and we give you praise and we give you glory. But we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to encourage you to continue to uh, you can give online but those of you that are here, if you look as you leave, there are buckets at the end of the seats. You can just, if you'd like to drop your Offering or tithes in there, just drop it in the bucket, wherever, whichever bucket as you leave. But if you want to continue paying online, giving online, that's also great. Giving online, a lot of people have been by now getting accustomed to doing that. Those of you that are not here today, continue to give online. Thank God for each and all of you. I want to remind you that this evening at one o'clock. There is the drive-through congratulation of the graduates. The graduates that are going to be, that, are, that, are, that have graduated, and we, want, we normally celebrate them. This will be done at 1 p.m. today from your cars. You drive by and wave and honk the horn. <laughs> They'll be standing on the outside in designated spots six feet apart then you'll be able to say that. So if you want to be back this evening for that, that you're welcome to. I know there are others. The 11 o'clock people will also probably be hanging around for that. But uh, that's what's happening at 1 p.m. today. Well, praise God. So good to have you with us. So glad you're able to come this morning. Praise, welcome. Praise God. Thank God for all of you. Those doors will be open. If you park on that side, you want to just slip out through those doors. If you park on this side, these doors will be open. You can go right out. You can notice that you basically don't have to touch anything if you don't want to touch anything. <laughs> you don't need to touch anything coming in. You don't need to touch anything going out. Just yourself. <laughs> and so that's what we'll do. We'll open the doors that you can go out through those doors. And you can go out through those doors. And uh, we won't be congregating in the port of share. You can, from a distance, say hi to somebody. Or if you want to talk to somebody, you got to still stick six feet away. Okay? So you measure your distance and say hi. Maybe you want to do that outside. There's a lot of space outside when we dismiss you. We're going to dismiss you. And then you can do that. So let's pray. And I uh, want to dismiss you as you go. Um, thank God for you. We're going to let you register for another couple of weeks. If you'll notice, we are going to register for four weeks. And after four weeks, you won't need to register anymore. Because we'll definitely know how we will fit. As you can see, there's a lot of more spaces available for people. Everywhere you see the blue 
and everywhere there and families can be in the rows you know so families can sit together so there's a lot of space available still so we just so after you register for four weeks you won't have to register again you'll just come and that was now the other thing you gotta remember you may not get your regular seat for those of you watching me too you better hear that don't plan on sitting at your regular seat. You may not have your regular seat. You're going to sit where you fit best for the time being. And so it may not be a regular seat. So don't plan on, oh, my, I got to get my regular seat. It may change because of how things are. Um, so, but just plan for that. Be ready. Be flexible. And uh, we just want to be able to do that. All right. We're going to close. Pray blessing on you. Raise your hand as a pronounce a benediction. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you his peace. As together we say, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. Amen. All right, if you're going that way, you, you, you head that way, if you park that way, you head the south, you just gradually out and wave at somebody, say hi from a distance. The Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. The Lord bless you. The Lord Children and your 
children and their children, this presence go. Be